Welcome back to another evening of Scott Shower. I am Noah. And I'm Jesse. All right. Well, this is uh, episode 103. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, That's right. We're, we are actually one episode away from our two, our second year, our, our second year anniversary. And I do apologize. This is probably not coming out on time. Uh, I am backlogged and, uh, but um, I've, I've made, I've, I've given you guys my excuses and, uh, and, uh, I'm, I am working through those. Um, all right. So this evening's, uh, scotch hour here, uh, we are going to be reviewing Ardbeg, uh, Corey Vecken or Brecken. Yeah. I'm going to say Corey Vecken. Okay. Because I just like to turn my tongue that way. <laughs> Corey Vecken. I bet you she likes that too. <laughs> no complaints yet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then from there, we're going to have our shout outs and get it together. Uh, this evening, we went to Reed's Tavern. So we'll be reviewing uh, that fine pub. Actually, uh, since they are Nebraska, uh, it's a Nebraska pub. I can't really uh, be a fan of theirs. And then we got the uh, Smarter Challenge, which is uh, a movie review of Ant-Man and Wasp. The Quantum Mania. And uh, before we dive into the uh, scotch here, if you do like our pro, our, uh, our show here, our podcast, please like, share, and subscribe. And uh, leave comments down below. Um, we'd love to hear from you, from all of you. And if you have any um, anything that you want to give us pointers on, we'll listen to that. Uh, if there's anything you like, uh, we definitely would love hearing about that. And if you just want to converse with us through, uh, you know, through the comment section, um, we are more than happy to respond to you as well. Um, anything else you want to add to the uh, leaving comments section or any of that? No, just any of your new viewers. Thank you so much. And as Noah has mentioned, please do leave us comments. Uh, feedback will be taken. Uh, we've gone to our point scoring system, which I'm actually really enjoying. Um, there have been some <laughs> dynamically different scores and some fantastic uh learning experiences with that as far as did you know a score could get as low as a 70 on a scotch on scotch hour <laughs> well it did last week so with that uh please continue to leave feedback and we will take it scotch review the card bag cardi Vrecken. And as Noah mentioned, the ladies do like to come when we speak that tongue. This is an Isla single malt scotch, and it is not for the meek. 57.1% ABV. With that uh, special water source. With that special water source. You can't forget it. Non-chill filtered. We have had some great, like, I mean, outstanding experiences with the Ardbeg. And, so, well, really just one not so great experience with Ardbeg. So we actually reviewed the Ardbeg 10 on episode one nearly two years ago right now. And then uh, three weeks later, the Ardbeg 10 was so great, we decided to take a risk and go after the Ardbeg Wee B. 
Beastie and a review of Young Frankenstein. Well, the Young Frankenstein review was fantastic. The wee Beastie, not so much. Uh, then jump forward literally a year plus later and in episode 63? 63. So 40 episodes ago, we reviewed Ardbeg and OA. Um, and man, that uh, episode was about movies that defy uh, define summertime. That was dynamite. So I can only imagine this little beastie, not the wee beastie, but this little beastie <laughs> is going to be outstanding as well. Um, so uh, for any of you who haven't seen our show before and don't know a ton, we'll give you just a quick review. Isla is a little island off the coast of Scotland where some of our favorite scotches do come from. Those include Ardbeg, and Lagavulin, uh, just above the Isle of Isla is the Isle of Jura, where there is another Scotch house. There's one hotel and one store and one distillery. That is the distillery of Jura on the Isle of Jura. Um, and then just north of that is the Corrybrecken, the second most dangerous whirlpool in all our world's waters. That kind of a great story, exciting, fun. Uh, with that, it is named after the Viking prince Broken, who is said to have met his watery end at that location. So with that, any other pieces you want to add about the Scotch or some of their tours? You went up to as far as the uh, Arbeg Oa, right? Oa. Oa. But we did a couple more after that. Oh, that's Uh, right. I forgot the punk. Yeah, and I was looking for what episode we did the punked on. And the? Uh, and the Oogadol. Oogadol was episode 87. There you go. And so that must mean that the punked had to be before that. I don't know that it was. It might have been after. Was it? Any case, uh, we did also do the punked, uh, which is the uh, that one right there. It's a white bottle. Uh, it's a white box. Uh, any case, um, yeah. So tours um, here with the yard bag here. The uh, tours they do have a um, a few tours here during uh, the winter time, which goes into March. They have what's called the tour in taste, which is uh, fourteen dollars and fifty cents. Uh, they have a, a dram. Uh, I guess like a I think it's called dram good. Uh, which is $78. Sounds dram good to me. Yeah, right? And um, oops. I'm pulling it up here just to make sure I got that name right. It is actually a dram good tasting. So I, I didn't quite write it fully out. And then the uh, next one here is they have the core range tour in tasting. Uh, which is uh, 30 US dollars. And they also have what's called a Rocktails. Uh, basically, it's cocktails and it's uh, $6 for that. Um, yeah, I'm pretty excited about this uh, this particular uh, scotch here because um, the Oogadol, uh that we had in episode 87, that was excellent. That was like one of the better uh, Arbegs I've had on this uh, that, that I've ever had from them. So I'm excited. It wasn't just 
one of the better ones from them. It was just a damn good scotch. So you're 100% right. It was before. It's episode 69 for the Art Big 69 Core. <laughs> and I don't know how we forgot that because we were out by the fire pit taking pictures. Um, was it and- snowing? It wasn't at that time, actually. It was okay. uh, pretty nice out. The sun was setting. There was an actual sunset. But the Ardcore, um, yes, and that's why I didn't pop on my list. So we, I searched. Oh, so that's right. It's called Ardcore, not punk. Right? Exactly. Okay, and so right. when I look for it, I'm like, what the hell? Okay. <laughs> All right. But yeah, so we are Big 10, Ardbeg WBC. You're 100% right beyond that. Ardbeg OA, the Ardbeg Ardcore and then the Ardbeg Ugadal. So, so this the, is the sixth. Okay, what other distillery have we tried that many? Uh, there have been. Is it Glimmerangie the only other one that's been that that many? Or I think Dalmore might be close. I actually think Glimmerangie is the only other one. Okay. Because that, that's quite a bit. That's... Uh, the Dalmore, I think we have had five because we've got the cigar malt, the 15, the 14, the King Alexander the third, and the 12, but that leaves us one shy. Okay, and I think McCallum's got to be close with five too, right? Because we uh, did the 12 Sherry, the 12 Regular, the 12 Triple, the McCallum McCallum. See, that's it. The edition number six. But then we also did the coke, the cocoa. The cocoa, yeah. So it's yeah. sitting at five as well. And um, Glenfiddich, we only did three of them, right? Yep. How about uh, Lagavulin? Dude, with Lagavulin, I think we're only up to, f- well, dude, that's tricky because we've had the 11, the 11, the 12, the nine, if you include the Game of Thrones, the eight. And that's where it sits, though. All these others are sitting at five. Did we do the distiller's edition for them? <laughs> Not yet. Okay. And Talisker? Uh, Talisker, we've only done four as well. Oban, we did at least five, right? Uh, we've got the Oban 18, the Distillers, the Little Bay, the 14, the Game of Thrones. Oh, wait a minute. That's the other one at six, the Oban 10, the 2022 special release. Oh, So okay. this is the second one at six whiskeys. Okay. I, I But Glenn Fittich definitely, or, uh, uh, definitely has the lead, though, right? Because we got... Oh, Glen Morangi, yeah, by far. Because we have the 18. We're going to say uh, they just have the forest, best water source. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that 10, one. 12, 14, 15. Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. the list goes on. The 18. Yeah, they're still leading the pack. <laughs> That's weird. I never, and I, I enjoy all of Glen Morangis too. I have not had a problem with any of the Glenmorangies or the Obins or the Lagavulins. I know you didn't care for that 2021 special release of the 11 year with uh, Lagavulin. No, I like the Lagavulin special. It, isn't it the 12 year? The 12 year. The 12 year special release, yes. Um, but some fantastic scotches all around. Yeah. Sorry. I didn't mean to get us totally sidetracked talking about all the ones that we tried. It just seems like, it seems like a lot. I didn't really think we tried that many from uh, Ardbeg. Yeah. yeah, Time flies though. This is the hundred. Wow. 
we've had multiple shows with flights on them. So we're probably at 110 scotches, but it's the 103rd episode, one shy of hitting the two-year mark. And uh, that is a lot of scotch. That is quite a reason to celebrate next week. It is. All right. Um, I guess, oh, did we say what the uh, ABV is on this? Oh, yeah. So if we didn't, I I think it might have been mentioned, but if it wasn't, 57.1, not for the faint of heart. This is going to knock some socks off, particularly mine. (laughs) (laughs) Like, what do you have to have for it to be considered cask strength? This is, I'm sure, a cask strength. Okay. Uh, Typically, anything right around the 60 to 65% mark is cask strength. Now, that depends on how much they've had to add water based on its maturity, how old it is. So, as casks uh, and scotch or whiskeys of any sort age uh, depending on elevation and humidity the angel will take its share so to speak so water does evaporate alcohol also escapes at, at minute levels but with that to keep it full and safe they add water pure water back into the casks and uh, i would imagine this is what we would consider a cask strength or as close as we need to be to it <laughs> All right. Hopefully it's it doesn't burn like uh, like heavy alcohol. I don't think it will though. No, we we BC is the only one where we were like we know, <laughs> not K N O W. If you know what I mean. <laughs> We know. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we do like to talk about this. I will say of the boxes and presentation, even though it seems very simple, this is a high quality box. I appreciate that. Lately, uh, the Lagavulin and some of the others have seen a little less structured, like they're trying to save a couple pennies on paper. Hey, I understand save a tree, but everyone's using paper bags anyway. So uh, make a nice quality box so they don't have to throw it away and they can reuse it like their paper bags. With that though, we get to the bottle. Ardbeg, uh, even with the WeBC, I don't know that Ardbeg has ever disappointed us with the bottle. And this one, once again, their signature standard dark green bottle. Love the label. The ultimate Isla single malt scotch whiskey. Cordybrecken, 57.1% ABV. Uh, this is a handsome bottle. In, you know, the I just love their presentation of their box. I mean, all their boxes, uh, except for probably the uh, Ardcord one, uh, which seems kind of like a fun and a punky type of way, but all the other ones uh, throughout 69. the line. <laughs> Uh, they are all, um, I love the green with the gold and uh, kind of like the Gaelic uh, type of lettering or that, you know, with it. Um, I really do uh, enjoy their presentation. I do as well, and I also enjoy the shape, the general shape of the bottle. So a little bit wider at the base, a little bit slims down. It's like a lady. Uh, You want slightly wider hips, a narrower (laughs) waist, but you still want a bust on it, all right, and then a good head. All right, and does it seem like a good quality uh, bottle, like glass, the glass itself? Uh, The glass itself is typical art no complaints okay. there and i do appreciate that they even put it in a box because more and more distilleries are going away from that 
And that's fine if they expect you to drink it quickly. Otherwise, that's what protects it from the light, which helps age it. So next we get to the foil. Well, Ardbeg for a while now has not used a typical metallic foil. They do go with plastic. And I've never loved the plastic, but I don't have a complaint, as you mentioned, about the symbolism and the decor on that label. The other thing I noticed on the bottle, right, it has... Uh, it I think it has, does it have Arbeg embossed on there? or right? It's uh, established 1815 okay. that they have uh, made sure is very prevalent in the glass. So with this, love the topper as far as it is engraved. They do go plastic on us, though. That's, that's kind of a bummer, though. It is. More and more, I'm starting to understand that. But at the same time, I agree with you, especially when you're talking about you spent easily 100 bucks on this bottle, well over $100 on this bottle. Give us some wood. <laughs> she wants the wood. Uh, he wants the wood, right? <laughs> like, give us some wood. Um, with that, though, man, let's test it out. Every walrus loves a tight seal. magic and i think there is some art and craftsmanship to making a bottle that will sound off if you will when you both pop the cork and pour the whiskey all right. cork all right i believe it is now time for us to uh, cheer and go into our warp speed to do our All tasting. Right. Tasting time. Cheers. Cheers. The Arbeg Cory Vecchin. Um, I think it really holds true to its uh, to the name there. Its namesake of a whirlpool. Um, I believe when you read the description earlier, um, you talked about how the flavors uh, swirl around, kind of like the Whirlpool. Or if you didn't read it, it's definitely on the <laughs> bottle or on the website. You mentioned it. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe I mentioned it. But in any case, uh, I think that really holds true here with this bottle. And um, when I, um, looking at the color here, as we know, um, so that way I can keep consistent. If it's light, like a straw color, I'll give it a one. If it's a dark amber, I'll give it a five. This one I gave a four. I put it in here that it is a uh, light amber to a light copper color. Um, it could be a three. Maybe like a 3.5 might have been more accurate, but I rounded it up to a four. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. Um, packaging. Packaging is important. And I honestly believe Arbeg nails it with most of their bottles, and they nailed it here. Um, and so I'm giving it a five out of five. Nice. Um, now, I guess um, I already jumped into the presentation and the color being a four and a five. Uh, I'm going to pause right there because I really should give you my my my, uh, my tasting notes here on this before I give you my point scale. You're all good. <laughs> um so the color, once again, I gave it a light amber to like copper. On the aroma, I get some buttery notes with peat, brine, some pine. 
oak and peppercorn. And there are some hints of uh, dark berries as well, being uh, blueberry and some blackberry and some cherries. Now the palate, when I first when I first drink the palate, I get uh, I get uh, a creamy, chewy. Um, it's it's creamy. It's a little bit chewy, and I get dark chocolate with espresso, blueberry, and blackberry, and vanilla. So I really dig this palate. So the nose is super complex. It's very inviting, um, and then the palate has some nice flavor there. Now the finish, <laughs> the finish here, I got. Uh, I put here tar with black pepper menthol and oak and the uh peppercorn flavor uh kind of lasts and lingers there for you with you and true to its uh name its namesake to, uh, the whirlpool here these flavors it's not like you taste these flavors on each sip it like varies from sip to sip on which ones decides to poke their heads up and for you to taste which it makes it kind of exciting to drink this because you're not exactly sure from sip to sip what you're going to exactly get. Sometimes it's a little bit more berry and chocolate. Sometimes it's a little bit more spicy and tarry. Um, and I really dig this. I like it a lot. So on the aroma, I gave it 28 out of 30 points. I really do like the nose on this. The palate, I gave it 27 out of 30. And the finish, 25 out of 30. Because... Once again, as we discovered, I'm not a super huge fan of spicy things. Um, on the finish. On the finish. And uh, that gave me a grand total of 89 points, which I think is actually pretty good because like, um, if I think if the spice wasn't there, it would have bumped it up two more points and, I, and it would have been a 91. Um, or if the spice would have been just a tad bit more mellow and then spike every once in a while, it would have been that 91. But because of that spike, there's been... Uh, out of the four sips I've had, I had three that were decent, one that was kind of super spicy, and uh, and then I took a fifth sip, so I actually took five, and uh, and so so I should really say this. I used all five fingers because <laughs> of math. I can't count. Um, I actually have five sips. Two of them were spicy. Three of them were good, and <laughs> but uh, my my point is average it out. Overall, uh, 89. <laughs> so, yes, bottom line, 89. Highly recommend it. Would I take it to a, a poker game? Yes, I would take it to a poker game. Um, but I would take it only to a poker game where people would appreciate scotch. Would I uh, take it to a nice gathering or hanging out with a, with a good friend? Yes, I would take it to one of those places. Would I take it to a black tie affair? Here, I kind of struggle um, because I think the presentation is worthy for a black tie affair um i think the flavor you, you know i'll just say this bottom line i would take it to a black tie affair Fuck I, i'd be i would be i mean i would lie if i said i wouldn't because I, I do think it would hold up um is it one of the ones that i would hoard ah well, the pepper always gonna throw you off <laughs> the pepper does throw me off because i would definitely i would definitely hoard the Uga doll. the Uga doll is next level and, and I think the reason why I like the Ugadol maybe just slightly bit more than this one is because it didn't have that 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 spiciness. 
Um, here's the thing. I, I, I could see myself hoarding this one, but I could also see myself sharing this one. So I'm not really sure where I fall on the line there, but I, I definitely would walk the line on sharing or hoarding this. So overall, it's $109, I believe, uh, before tax when we went to uh, Total Wine and Spirits. Um, I do highly recommend this, and uh, I would say that you should purchase this one for your collection um, just because of how complex and how great it is, really. Um, Jesse, what's your take? All right. First thing I want to say is I think we're starting to find our niche in this scoring system because this by far, and we know we have varied tastes, I think this one is the one where we do and will truly speak so similarly about it, and our points are so close. So first of all, for me, presentation. Man, I also dig this presentation. Um, for me, the only reason it's only getting a four out of five is because a five out of five is like the next level. And this, this could have gone either way uh, because the box is sound. It's not some flimsy paper box. The bottle is dynamite. Um, the one ding up top is I actually like a metal foil and I do like a wooden top. Um, but other than that, there's only a few boxes out there that beat this. And that's where you get really tricky is because you're paying for them, right? You're talking about the McAllen, the Reserves or uh, the Ardbeg. 25 year or um, the Highland Park 17 year where it comes in these wooden structures and it's the next level so if we ever got to a point where we give extra credit for something that would be a different story but because we're not there yet um, this is a four out of five which is a solid damn number for me I went the other way on the color I think this is a dark gold I agree with you um, it's a little bit lighter though than a four for me so the color only gets a three out of five on the color so we're super close though on both these one point varying so far and I think that continues pretty much throughout um, for me Oh, on the nose, it is good. It is good. I get, and this is interesting because we were literally just talking about the Mikallan cocoa. I get chocolate. I get cherry. I get pine. I get the brine. And then mild. And it is super mild hints of vanilla and clove and blueberries. And then it it's, it's, it's a tough one because I don't know that, it's easy to associate this with alcohol without uh, disassociating it with taste in that is menthol. Ah, oh, on the palate immediately chocolate, cherries, dark cherries, by the way, uh, and a little bit of seaweed, that brine flavor is coming through. Espresso, I do get some cocoa, and I love it. Um, before I get to the finish, there's the hints of the blackberries and clove. On the finish, though, the finish is long. Also love that. However, much like you mentioned, you've got the black pepper, um, the coffee, and the chocolate revisited. Oh, 
the chocolate. The chocolate is on the palate, the win, and that is the longest part. It literally goes into the finish, which then finishes into that revisit of black pepper, almonds, and this is where it's a tie for me because it's both almond and oak, but I think it's more nutty almond flavored than oak. Uh, as we get to the points, dude, we were so close on this one. We have never been this close on a point scale. So four for presentation, three for color. On the nose for me, just barely below yours. I gave it a 26 on the palette. I believe this is just slightly higher, a 28. And for me, a finish. I don't mind the pepper as much as you do. A 27, you gave it an 89. I'm giving it an 88. I, this is a solid damn 88, by the way, though. Um, especially when you think of, we're not comparing ourselves to everyone else that's rating because the people rating a Dalmore 15 and a Dalmore 18 aren't including the packaging or the presentation we are because we're talking about total value here and so for me if i'm walking into a poker poker night yeah poker night or poker night uh <laughs> if it's worth bringing this hell yes i am bringing this scotch into a poker night for anyone that i value enough to enjoy it and i mean that in both sides if a woman can enjoy a great drama of scotch bring this to your fireside fun evening if your friends can enjoy it during cards absolutely um i'm bringing this to the billiards if i can and i'm playing pool drinking this because it is just spicy enough i'm actually really enjoying much like the Lagavulin 12, the spice in here, I'm loving it. So yes, absolutely, 100% to a poker night. Would I share it with friends? Uh, most of my friends drink scotch, and therefore, in this instance, yes, anyone who can appreciate a a very complex dram of scotch is going to love this. So yes, I would. Black tie event. I agree with you. This is where it gets a little tricky because it is a situation where the only thing that holds it back is that it's not light and outstanding. You want one of those white bottles or white boxes for a black tie event. This doesn't shine the same way, but flavor wise it will. But with the black tie event, typically you're not like, hey guys, I know we're here for John's wedding, but we're going to come over in this corner, forget that there's women and our parents and all these people here <laughs> and have a fantastic drama scotch and then uh, just go back to our rooms forgetting that they're here because we finished the bottle. Uh, but otherwise, yes. Is it taste worthy for a black tie event? That's where the presentation kind of comes in again. Um, it gets a little tricky for connoisseurs. Yes, bring it. And then finally, uh, do I cover this? Do I love it? Do I make sure I have an extra bottle on my shelf? Um, the price point is striking talking about average liquor store selling it for 130 bucks you got a little bit of a, a deal uh so you're talking about roughly 110 120 plus tax and with that yeah i'm gonna savor a bottle of this to decant at some point in time and enjoy further on so uh i do suggest it as well dynamite It's time for our shout-outs. Oh, man, I could go on a lot this week, uh, but I'll do two quick ones. One, super quick, my team 
at work and hitting their scores for all of you guys. Cheers. Thank you for bringing once again after one rough day and holidays can always make things tricky. Valentine's Day surely did, especially with some people not showing up for their shifts. But after the rest of the week brought that number back to green for a week, month, year. Awesome job. Cheers to you. And then Aiden, Getting to watch this young, I, I want to call him a mini-me, but he's definitely a super-me, uh, far from a mini-me. Getting to watch him play his sport at this time, basketball, with his teammates, win the game. Your rebounds were on point. You scored 100% on your free throws. Cheers to you for living life that is what life is all about it's it's not always going to be easy but when you get your moments savor them so cheers those are great uh shout outs definitely um i only have one shout out this week and that's going to go to uh, my students this past weekend Hell yeah so for those of you who, who may or may not know i do teach a life insurance course for new agents uh, to prep them for the state exam so that way they can get their license and I've actually um, have really started to question our educational system uh, just by some of the quality of younger people who have been coming to my class, which is a, is a, which is a, a course meant uh, you know for someone to pass a state exam to get licensed to sell insurance. And so you expect a certain level of, uh, of, of an IQ, I guess. Of um, basic... A basic understanding abilities yeah and uh i've been very surprised by how poor the educational system or how poor some of these uh people have been coming into the course but this last class i uh, only had four students in there but they are uh definitely on point they're asking fantastic questions and i'd be uh i i i think all four of them are going to pass their exam um with flying colors. I really do. I think uh, they're asking the right type of questions. And you know, like, I don't know if you've ever, like, if you've ever <laughs> been a trainer uh, or taught someone and they ask questions and the type of questions that they ask, you know, uh, if they're asking the right type of questions, like, this person's going to do well. And when they're, like, totally off base asking, like, the weird, like, one-off type questions for everything you're like this person's gonna fail <laughs> you just after you after you've done it so many times you, you you have a pretty good idea of who's gonna who's gonna like succeed and pass and and who's not and uh i i feel really great about this class so i, I want to give them a shout out outstanding all right uh get it togethers i don't i have no idea where to start uh or where to end uh but i don't want this to be a two three hour tirade of uh everything that's wrong with the world and our government well start where you need to start <laughs> um but i will um start with biden and fema um i think it's rough. i think it's uh after the train wreck in uh, ohio uh fema and uh biden uh, or the biden administration said that they were not going to send any help out to them they're in uh east palestine ohio and it took actually former president trump to say he was going to go out there and visit the uh this area and then shortly thereafter uh 
Biden or FEMA, one of them, I forget which one it was, announced that they were going to start uh, helping out the area. The weird part is, before Trump even announced that he's going to go out there, and when Biden said he, Biden and FEMA said they weren't going to do any help, Biden announced that he's going to give more money or more support to Ukraine. And this is a huge national disaster. Yeah, that's bigger than that. I'll go off on my own piece there <laughs> because that's also mine. Oh, is it? Yeah. All right. Well, I'll just sum it up right there. I just think uh, our gov- the U.S. government uh, giving money to Ukraine over our own nation, um, I think they need to get their act together. And one has to start now questioning with all the train wrecks, all the a- accidents that have been going on, um, and things like, are we – seriously under attack uh either by our government by corporations or by some other uh country or group no that's literally might get it together as well so this chemical wait comp- that's really odd that you and i we never talk about what our get togethers <laughs> or shout outs are going to be so when we have the same type of ones i'm always amazed well here for me it's a, it's slightly different but it's also the same and my bottom line is and i actually didn't hear the piece about Trump. So uh, cheers, Trump, for having a positive impact on another piece of our community, ultimately. But my struggle was FEMA and Biden's reaction uh, and the chemical company saying, hey, so you we had to evacuate all these people within a 15 mile plus radius of this spill and we've potentially ruined your water source for oh well we don't know how long but everyone's not using plastic bags in most of the country anymore because plastic's so bad but that's the chemical (laughs) that we poured out of this trailer into your future water source but don't worry about that but here's what we're offering you just slightly over twenty thousand dollars so you can make this all go away uh for a company that's making well over 20 billion dollars a year in profits and for me and trump is on both sides of this so at some point he allowed legislature not to change because they could have changed the rail cars but i love hearing that he had a positive impact in saying that hey i'm gonna go do something and that's what made both biden and let's face it fema is controlled by biden just like it is any president they don't take any action on their own really uh president is ultimately the one who nudges them one way or another but the fact that biden did nothing is my get it together you should have jumped right up there how dare you offer another nation across oceans either direction west or east of our own country continent um support and Everything else you're doing can offer our own citizens nothing. It's insanity. We went to a uh, Reed's Tavern. What he said, Reed's Tavern. Uh, they're in um, Lone Tree, um, right off of Park Meadows Drive. Yes. And. Uh, for those of you who are uh, University of Colorado Buffalo fans, uh, this is just, uh, I'm just going to start this off right away. This is a Nebraska bar. They have huge Nebraska uh, flag hanging in there. And uh, they also have like, here, here's, and this is very interesting, if, especially if you're, you are a CU 
Buffalo fan or alumni or whatever, when you go into this place, uh, you will see a flag for CSU. You'll see a flag for <laughs> Nebraska. And you'll see a flag for all basically all the other major sports teams except the University of Colorado. So right away, they already get a poor score for me. <laughs> <laughs> Not their uh, service or their food, but uh, just yeah. their ambiance. Anyways, uh, when you first walk up, uh, it is... Um, I actually really dug the inside. I thought it looked kind of nice in there. It is a place that does have some indoor golfing, so they have some uh, uh, some areas in there, so you can bring your clubs in there, and they have that video golfing in there, so you can like take swings, and uh, you can play a course there. Uh, they also have, uh, I think, was it one or two billiard tables there? They have I saw at least one. Yeah, I saw at least one billiard table there, and it – it seems like it'd be kind of like a nice little fun like uh, sports pub there. They have TVs all around. You can definitely watch some games there. Uh, so I really dug the uh, the atmosphere. Um, as far as the food is concerned, I actually went with the appetizers since it was happy hour. I tried the sliders. Um, I got the uh, uh, shredded chicken slider and the uh, pulled pork slider and some uh, mozzarella sticks. I and I and here I think these were kind of decent value. It's $5 for the sliders, uh for the, uh, $5 for two sliders really. So both of those cost $5 and then $4 for the uh mozzarella sticks. Um I thought for the happy hour pricing of those it was decently priced. Um my one issue with the sliders is that the meat was dry. Um the chicken was dry. And that it was very noticeable because they didn't really have any sauce on those. The uh, pulled pork was also dry, but that was covered up a little bit by the barbecue sauce. And as and the but the win, the total win <laughs> <laughs> is the mozzarella sticks. The mozzarella sticks. I haven't had mozzarella sticks in a really long time, probably over like two three years. But these were really good mozzarella sticks. So. Um, I'm going to give like the mozzarella sticks a, a really high remark there. <laughs> I think they're great. Um, and I could be wrong because, like I said, I haven't really tried a bunch of mozzarella sticks lately, but uh, I really did enjoy them. I thought the marinara sauce was pretty decent as well. Um, the The service was actually pretty good. I actually liked the service. The uh, Our actual waitress, she was attentive. Uh, she showed up at the right time. She wasn't there too often and um she came around when we needed it her her counterpart or or her uh, other the other waitress i was working she was a little bit like a, a hawk or something because like, she was like like johnny on the spot as soon as you finished something she came by and swooped in and took your took your stuff you're like whoa i just i just barely got done eating that or whoa i just barely got done sipping that drink um it didn't really bother me but it, yeah she was kind of like the other waitress was uh, johnny on the spot so uh, I guess uh, going with kind of sort of Jesse's kind of thing here, I guess this is like the middle of the road type of place. It's not a fast food place, but it's not fine dining either. Uh, in any case, I'm going to give this place a seven um, for for total uh, for the whole kit and caboodle. Uh, the, uh, I did like, I really dug the atmosphere. I'll, I'm kind of giving that an eight um, just because I, I am, I do like golf and I do like the idea that you can like, um, bring your clubs there and uh, play the, the video type golf thing that they have or the indoor golfing range. 
and, and have like beers and uh, and some food while you do that. So I really dug that part. Um, I really I did not dock any points because it is a Nebraska bar. So I, I did hold back on that. Uh, the wait staff, I'm going to give them a seven. And the food, I'm going to give it a six. So that averages out to a seven. And uh, would, I, would I take a date there? Actually, I probably would, even though the food was not all that great, except for the mozzarella sticks. And here's the reason why. Um, I think it could be a very fun activity on our first date to hit or play the golf, the indoor golf uh with the first date so i think that would that could be a good time so yeah i could see myself doing a uh a first date there uh when i meet some friends there if my friends are into golf sure i can see doing that as well um but it's not really going to be a place i will go out of my way unless i'm going to the movie theater that's right next door or i want to do like uh play that indoor golf um so that's that's kind of my take there all right well this one, unlike the scotch, we're a little bit varied on. <laughs> so Reed's Tavern, and by the way, Noah very eloquently selected this, and it perfectly matches with director Peyton Reed of our Smarter Challenge review of Ant-Man and the Wasp. The Yeah, we're there, man. But Quantumania, and with that... Uh, it was a great restaurant to review. It's interesting because on the outside, no real qualms with it. Uh, we did go in the evening. The sun is staying up a little bit later, so we didn't get to judge its nighttime ambiance, but I'm guessing it's okay because it is right by the theater. Uh, uh, the atmosphere inside. This is interesting. We're, we're visiting it on President's Day 2023, and it seemed really slow in there for me for a Monday. And it also seemed very low energy with that. I'm not a huge golf fan, definitely a big pool fan, but with only the one table that I saw. Brings up some interesting things. So uh, I think their happy hour was good. The beers, the prices, everything else. I did not. I asked the waitress, what's your most top-selling item on the menu? She said fish and chips, and I went with it, and God damn it, I made a mistake. This was the worst fish and chips I reviewed on any of our shows. Uh, my food for the fish and chips, the fish was a 2 out of 10. Now, here's where it gets tricky. The chips were a 10 out of 10. The French fries were goddamn dynamite. So really you're talking about a 5.5 out of 10 uh, with that. But the fish is supposed to be the focus. So I'm going to drop that to a 5 there. Now what Noah said is 100% right. He ordered a second round of his sliders and the waitress screwed up and ordered a second round of mozzarella sticks. So we had him, her switch those from his tab to mine and I took them. God damn it, those mozzarella sticks were a win uh, for me again. Both the marinade and the mozzarella sticks a 10 the service was an eight those people were good this is a middle of the range restaurant it's not fast food it is definitely far from high class which is interesting because golfers want to consider themselves just that in most cases not always um so it is interesting ah oh, man 
The food, because of that, gets a seven. The service gets an eight. Myself with the ambiance, I wasn't digging it, but I am so torn because I think part of that is because it's a Monday night and it's a holiday. Overall, the restaurant gets a seven for me. Would I take a date there? There are so many other more fun places with varied menus than that. Uh, I don't know how to stress enough. And man, Reed's Tavern, if you hear this, your fish were a two. If this is the best thing on your menu, you guys are confused because the French fries were far better. The mozzarella sticks were far better. And I'll bet I would have given the sliders a far higher score because I don't mind a little dry with a little sauce. But God damn it, this was the worst fish I've had, I'm going to say in 10 years. So um, because of that, because of the risk factor, I'm not taking a date there. I'm not meeting friends there. No, I'm not going back. <laughs> the fit, I showed you the fish. You, you it did. wasn't even white inside. It wasn't even gray. It was like half black. <laughs> it's fucking terrible. <laughs> you didn't show me the fish. The funny part, though, even though like we kind of scored everything slightly a bit different, we both end up at a seven. <laughs> I know, but that's just it. Because for me, it's a middle of the range restaurant. And I don't expect magic. And here's the thing. The fries were a 10. The mozzarella sticks were a 10. The service was great. Your fish was shit. Stop s serving that fish. So here's the thing, like for me, I definitely wouldn't mind going there to play golf and take a date there, but I would not order the fish. Dude, I risk just, factor. I, I would just stick and I would tell her to stick with like fries or the mozzarella sticks or something like that. Maybe that, maybe that's it. You're like, Hey, cause the beer was good too. The service yeah. was good. The only reason it gets a seven and not a four is the service and the, uh, the uh, sides, by the way, <laughs> not the actual dishes. And, uh, but man, they, uh, they're trying. I love that. So I'm not dinging them. I'm not saying don't go there. I'm just saying I'm not risk factor going there <laughs> but i you know you bring up an interesting point as i said their goddamn cheese sticks and fries were dynamite and if the the, the, the waitress is a little slow on getting her tabs to get out but if i was going to see a movie and i just wanted some mozzarella sticks and fries yes whoever i was going with would be like let's get a beer mozzarella sticks fries hey we're ordering this bring our check <laughs> because everything else is perfect. Movie review. <laughs> Ant-Man and... Uh, the Wasp! The Wasp. Quantumania. This is our Smarter Challenge here. Um, this is the... I believe this is the third movie in the uh, Ant-Man... Uh, Anthology or yeah. Ant Man, Ant Man and the Wasp, and now Ant Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania. Um, all right, so uh, I, I'm not exactly sure where we should we, where we should start here, but uh, I will start with this. Um, I know you'll probably bring up the director you already mentioned him once before, um, but I'm going to start off with this right here. We're just going to go completely off the rails, starting with to something totally really different than what we normally would start on a movie I'm, review i'm not into that weird shit <laughs> uh where where i want to start off with with is what is your favorite quote or series of like banter back and oh forth my god in the movie went there all right so before 
I dive into that vaginal discharge. <laughs> I'm going to go to, we are talking about the director of Ant Entman and the Wasp, Quantum Mania, our 2023 two-hour and five-minute PG-13 movie directed by Peyton Reed, who also did Ant-Man and the Wasp, as well as some episodes of The Mandalorian, um, starring, and here's some important piece of me, Paul Rudd plays Scott Lang, Evangeline Lee, Hope Devine, Catherine Newton, Casey Lang, so Paul Rudd's daughter, we got Michael Douglas, Michelle Pfeiffer. The list goes on. But the other big one is... Bill Murray. Bill Murray is just cool as hell. But Jonathan Mahars as Kong or King, the Conqueror. Now, with this, man, there is one line that is so outrageous in this movie. For a PG-13 movie, I feel like we're safe to say it on the show. I, 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 are we, are you talking about the same quote that I'm talking about? Dude, you know it. So I'm going to let you go with it and then I'll just follow up because favorite line or like most outstanding line that proves a point is where I want to go with it is <sighs> Catherine Newton. Yeah, dude, just go with it. Okay. I can't say it. It's so wrong. <laughs> it's so wrong. It's, 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 so, it's so wrong it's that it's not, right. It's okay because it's in a PG-13 movie, and this word is said like 20 times. Not really. I think it's seven, six. Maybe. So it's like, maybe it's six, five. There's probably five because they probably have some more like, you can say five times, but as soon as you go over half of a tenfold, you're radar. All right. So... uh in this movie here, you this uh, character is Modoc, and Modoc, if you remember, he uh, the character here is actually from uh, the original Ant Man. He was the uh, the bad guy in the original Ant Man, where he was like the bee, and uh, Cassie, his daughter, refers to him as that's the that's the bee guy. That's the bee guy. And so, uh, any case, um, after uh, I think uh, Lang. Uh, knocks him down into the ground or something. I, I think I'm not sure who knocks him down on the ground, but he's like he's laying on the ground, and Cassie's running by, uh, running by him and stuff like that. And uh, she says that he's a dick. She goes, "You're a dick," and he's like, "Catherine Newton's the actress, yeah. yes, Cassie." Cassie. So, and then he looks at Cassie and, she, and he's like, "Look at me. I, of course, I'm a dick." <laughs> <laughs> and, she, and then she starts to run off, and then she like stops and turns back at him, and says. You don't have to be a dick. <laughs> Maybe the number is four because I think there's one more mention of the word. I, I'm, I'm sure there's probably one or two I'm, more I'm dicks mentioning in there. That, dude, mentioning that because you might be just about out of the D word. <laughs> dick, 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 dick. Fuck, now we're rated R. <laughs> Anyways, uh, she did. Uh, it, I think that whole like bantering and back and forth between the two about him, about her calling him a dick, and then him saying like, "Well, I am a dick." But it does change him though uh, when he realizes that he does not have to be a dick uh, later on. And he, one can almost say that he's kind of like the dark horse hero of this movie. How many dicks can you spit out of that hole? 
<laughs> I'm just asking because you said a lot of the D word. <laughs> she uh, wanted the D. <laughs> the Broncos well, female fans do too. Denver. <laughs> All right. So with that, hmm. How does one follow up with that? Well, I thought the movie was great. <laughs> I did too. It was very entertaining. Now, that being said, it was by far my favorite Marvel movie, but I thought they did a really good job really emphasizing how you can be a savior of the world, a.k.a. Paul Rudd's character, Ant-Man, uh, or Scott Lang, and still not be recognized by the general public. Hey, you're that spider guy. Coffee's on us. Here, take some scones, whatever. And then later on, they're like, oh, you're that ant guy. $12. <laughs> what? Still save the world. Go take your That's funny. Stone. That's funny that you mentioned that because I was going to bring that one up too. <laughs> <laughs> but um, for me, some of the things are, uh, when I asked people what they had thought uh, before I saw it, a lot of them were like, the science was blurred with the reality. And I think that is my struggle as well, which is I think other, I, I don't think, I believe other Marvel and even DC Universe movies have done a much better job making the science more believable. This one started trying to create a 3D interdimensional ring clock as being the source of all power and that's just not truth um had there been even a star in there maybe it'd be a little more believable but otherwise hey if you think that there's any chance of that what do you think the chances are of our moon being hollow mm. <laughs> so with that i'm going to pass it back to you know what else do you have to think about this movie well, as far as this movie goes here, um, I do think it was entertaining. I thought um, Paul Rudd did a, an excellent job as his uh, as his reprisal as a uh, as Ant Man or Scott Lang, and uh, it's kind of weird because like what like one of the parts I love about his character in this movie is he writes a book. Oh, dude, I love that too. By the way, holy. <laughs> Mother of Christ, and the way he it's writes the Bible, <laughs> the way he writes the writes his book, and and how he kind of depicts like what happens uh, throughout the whole, this whole time with the Avengers and stuff like that. It's really kind of humorous because uh, you you've seen his character in the first movie, and then all the Avenger movies, and then uh, in the second Ant Man movie, and so you kind of see how he has progressed and stuff like that. And he, you know, you kind of you know he, you see him like. Uh, kind of like that meme of like Leonardo DiCaprio where he's like walking and like he just doesn't care about anything because he's all happy. And that's this is kind of like Paul Rudd after he he writes he's like helped save the world. Uh, he's Literally, famous. he helped save the world, fools. You know, and he's like and he's famous. And he's getting these like free coffees, and even though like people think he's like Spider Man, uh, <laughs> just someone who's supposed to be the lookalike of his creator. But anyways, he you know he he. Uh, He's really on top of on top of life, right? He has uh, his his the the woman of his dreams, right? Basically, with uh, um, I forget what her character Evangeline Lilly, who plays Hope. Did yeah, that. Hope. Yeah. yeah. So he has Hope. Uh, he's married to Hope now. Uh, he's uh, he's in with the Pims, right? Uh, as far as like uh, part of the family. Um, Cassie's all grown up, uh, basically. And Dude, being in with Michael Douglas. <laughs> 
and Michelle Pfeiffer. <laughs> Just uh, saying. And, and obviously, you know, they they that family seems to have a very a very good relationship with each other because even uh, Cassie calls uh, uh, Michael Douglas' character that or and Michelle Pfeiffer's character is like grandpa and grandma and stuff like that. And um, so I I you know I think that part of the movie um really kind of hits home i think it's really great to see that kind of like that family unit being um shown there and him like being on top of the world and then like with anything in life uh something will happen that will um challenge a family unit and here in this case something does happen they get sucked into the uh, multiverse or the uh, quantum verse i guess and um here you see the family, even though one member of the family may not have been totally truthful throughout the whole thing, or maybe uh, uh, might have left out some information. Um, you see the family kind of come together to help others um, to save their realm and also to help save each other as a family. And you and you really see what a what a strong partnership could be, I guess, in a, in a sense, because. Near the end, this is spoiler alert right here. Near the end, spoiler. Uh, <laughs> uh, you do see uh, um, Scott Lang knowing that it's more important to save Earth and his family, so he prevents uh, Kang uh, from uh, going in, uh, escaping the quantum realm to go in, uh, to go to Earth. And uh, when it looks like it, the portal is going to close. Hope jumps across uh, to help save Scott. Stupid ass. <laughs> and I think that's what, I mean, I know it's a, it's a fictional movie and stuff like that, but I think that's something that uh, everyone, you know, if they could have, would want to have a strong family unit and also have a strong partner that would support you and you would support them. And I think uh, in that sense, I think there's a really good kind of storyline there, even though maybe some of the science and some of the other things uh, that, uh, orbit around in this movie uh, is a little bit far-fetched or kind of funny or whatever, but I think uh, that kind of message is, is good for everyone. All right. How about yourself? What? Well, I'm digesting your message. Here's one of the points, though, that I would really want to point out. Casey Lang's character, played by Catherine Newton. Cassie? Cassie. Dude, she's a nightmare. She's a typical teenager, right? <laughs> yeah, she is. She is all into these things. You talked about truth and honesty, and I cannot stress enough, the older any individual gets that wants to be better and have a better culture and environment around them always has to be truth. Now, that means giving the hard facts and the soft facts and then being like, hey, I know you don't want to hear this, Dad, but it's going to happen anyway, so I'm telling you this is the goddamn truth dad or mom or boss or subordinate or whoever by the way if you don't meet this number you're going to get fired whatever it may be giving the hard truth is super important and what what i love about what you brought up about the fact that there are so many deceptions is that literally what guys i cycled through my head while i was watching the movie, the second half in particular, the only person I don't think gave any deception was Paul Rudd's character. Paul Rudd's character, so Scott Lang, he's always telling the truth. And everyone thinks he's a piece of shit. He's just the Ant-Man. 
your coffee's going to cost you 12 bucks because you're not Spider-Man, you're Ant-Man. And literally his father-in-law, his mother-in-law, his wife, his daughter, everyone else is around him is telling him falsities, not the truth. But he is always 100% honest. And I don't know that people understand the significance. I think that the original writer did. I think that he was really making that the greatest strength of so many superheroes, particularly Ant-Man. And that is be honest, be true. And that is your win. And that is what, man, Scott Lang's win is. So Paul Rudd is a badass in this movie because he doesn't lie because he knows even when he tells truths, you can see him pause and stall, but he still tells it. This is not okay. You, you do bring up that a good point there, and uh, I did kind of gloss over that uh, because they do like uh, the uh, Michelle Pfeiffer's character does do that lie. Michael Douglas' character does that. Lie. His own daughter did that lie. Evangeline, uh, huh? Evangeline, yeah. Hope, yeah. Uh, hope. hope, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, she, she did that as well. Um, but they do, all fucking lie. They all they all had like a, a bit of a lie or maybe I wouldn't necessarily always call it a lie, but maybe some of them withheld the truth or didn't share some information. Critical information. Critical information, yes. Um, but I do think they all realized their the error of their ways uh throughout the movie and they and they and I think you actually see more with Cassie too, uh, where she realizes like, yeah, I screwed up, I probably shouldn't have done these things. And I think one of kind of like the like a, a good like fatherly and and here once again I am not I, I don't own I don't I don't own I don't have any children <laughs> and yeah, I don't yeah. and I don't own any children. <laughs> Moms try to pretend they own children. Dads <laughs> know that know better. <laughs> but I think one of the like, I mean just looking from like uh, my own my uh, like in a re reversal type of aspect of like. What it was like, you know, as a kid to like what it would be like looking at, at a parent. I think one of the uh, uh, cool scenes in this uh, movie, though, after like a lot of this crap goes down, both Cassie and Scott are in jail together. And she had previously been, been in jail like a couple, like two times prior. So this is the third time. <laughs> two times prior. And, uh, you know, Scott had just recently found that out because that was information that was withheld from him previously. And when he's sitting in there and he's like, and they're like, and their cells are like kind of like across from each other. He's like, so uh, this is, uh, this is your third time in jail, huh? This is my fourth time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but he's always honest. But he's honest. But he, but he, I mean, he, he uh, took a road to where, I mean, he could have like, just been an asshole. Uh, he could have been, yeah, he could have been an asshole to his, uh, to his daughter, but he he uh, addressed it in a joking way, and to and I and, I, and he kind of like made it more light than what it you know what the situation was, and I think Cassie appreciated that, and I think I, I think I got the message to her a little bit better, and likewise, I think her message about helping out other people because I think Scott, uh, to your point, like what a hero should be. Or what the writers say, like a hero should be. Uh, Scott did kind of start to uh, rest upon his laurels and um, wasn't really seeking out to help people anymore, or or be that kind of like that shining beacon until Cassie kind of like pushed the envelope a little bit too far, and he had to jump in. I one hundred percent agree. 
completely around what a hero should be. And we have people, and I hate to transgress, uh, but I will for just 30 seconds, like Biden giving extra money to Ukraine. When we have people in Ohio with real drama in our own country, 15 mile, so 30 mile radius or circumference, if you will, or diameter, 15 mile radius, evacuate from the homes. And he's giving extra money to them. Meanwhile, they don't have safety in their own home. Going back to the movie, this is what a hero is. It's what Marvel was always supposed to be. It's what Stan Lee, may he rest in peace, was going after, which is a hero sacrifices. And that's tragic. It shouldn't have to be that way, but that is reality. And it's terrible. But a hero will sacrifice because being a hero means you are giving a piece of yourself to save the bigger picture. And you can look at Thor and you can look at any number of other superheroes and think that, well, Thor is still Thor. There is a piece of his heart that is torn or gone or diminished. And I will say torn because love has a dynamic impact, but you have to save it first. And I think that's what I loved about this movie is the daughter learned way too early in life that life is not going to be easy. Very true. Um, I would definitely say this particular movie, um, it's probably not my uh, top Marvel movie, but it's not even the worst Marvel Marvel e movie either. I think they did enough to make it entertaining. Um, I think it did enough to uh, uh, portray a decent message, depending on what, how you want to view it. Uh, there's different types of uh, uh, perceptions or takes one could take in this movie, and and we only, you know we only talked a short period of time here about it, uh, and uh, I really do. And I did enjoy this movie, and I, I do want to go see it again. And I think the one thing I didn't bring up yet is I think it really sets up for the uh, second season of Loki. Because uh, if, if any of you who've watched the first season of Loki, it all has to do, I, I, and I forget the name of what they're called, and I didn't do my homework, so I apologize. So I'm just going to call them the Time Cops, because that's basically what they are. They are. Uh, and uh, Loki has been uh, had been apprehended by the time cops and now he's like one of their agents who goes and tries to find people who violate the timelines and destroys timelines and that's what kang is is uh he's someone who who manipulates and destroys timelines and so uh you can see how uh kang is going to be the next big baddie here and uh how it's going to actually uh, intertwine with uh loki's second season and him being a a time cop if you will you're 100% right, by the way. It's Loki and the Trime Travel Cops. That's literally what they are. They're the Trime Time Travel Cops. So you're good. <laughs> Is that what it's called? Okay. They are the Time Travel Cops. Okay. Uh, people, yeah, we don't have to go there, but we don't have the fucking time to go there. Uh, we got a little bit more time because we took a little bit longer in some areas as far as like tasting and stuff. 
But the regardless point is that you're right. This opened a huge door. And there's so much more coming out out of this. Loki in particular. And oh my God, that actor. Mm, I'm not gay, but if I was, he'd be on the top of my. So, did you like the female version of Loki? I thought she was pretty decent. She was hot. (laughs) So, there you go. You don't have to be gay. You can like the female version of Loki. Right, but the male version, this version, who's also mentioned, by the way, I think it was important. He actually acknowledged that modern music doesn't resound romanticism or romance, um, but he's bringing that. He's literally bringing romantic scenarios in this dark sense into Loki, and that's real. It's the here's the tragedy. We all ro- want romance, but so much of romance is tied to the dark. Oh well, I just want sex. Bye. Psh. Well, that was romantic, and I want that again. But I also want a relationship. But he just wants sex, so I'm gonna go get sex. Psh. Well, I'm in the same boat. <laughs> Any way you look at it, it's real. And he's not wrong. Their music has struggled to romance. All right. Well, would you recommend people to see this movie? 100%. Uh, particularly because, man, Loki season one, Dynamite. Uh, Loki season two will undoubtedly be better. Yes, uh, Loki actually does not make an appearance for all of you who are watching this until actually the credits. Um, but I, like I said, it will set up for a good season two of Loki. I do think this movie it, uh, is, I would highly recommend watching this movie. Obviously, if you're into the MCU, you're going to watch it anyways uh, because it will play probably a, a bigger role moving forward with probably some of the Avenger movies I would venture to guess. Explain MCU. Uh, I know, you know, MCU did but, Mar- uh, Marvel Comic Universe? Yes. So when he says MCU, Marvel Comic Universe, the Marvel Universe is what he's talking about. Yeah. If you watch any of the Avenger movies, you're probably aware of those. I hope so. But not everyone <laughs> is. Dude, times have changed. All right. Uh, with that, uh, we'll wrap that up here at this point. Uh, I do think it's a good movie. You should go uh, uh, watch it. I believe Jesse feels the same. Uh, he's nodding his head yes, obviously, so we're good there. It uh, was great. It was. I loved it. Uh, oh, one other character I really liked is a little bubble character that you drink his, like, his Dude, ooze. stop. Just, <laughs> he has no holes, but I drink his ooze, and now I can that understand was kind of funny. No, It's, like, funny <laughs> and not funny. It's like, what just happened? <laughs> exactly. All right. So with that, uh, thank you for everyone who watches us and listens to us uh, on Rumble, YouTube, any one of the uh, uh, Audible uh, uh, venues here. Uh, Jesse, he will uh, let us know what our next scotch is as well as our next topic, and then he'll close it out. All right. Next week, to close out year two of Scotch Hour, we're going to go review the movie Cocaine Bear and Lockaboo Distillers Edition. So, with that, remember drink responsibly and life is great. Enjoy life, share, appreciate, engage, 
and really just enjoy life. So with that, Noah, back to you. Uh, by the way, give us feedback. We will use it. That's it. Cheers. Cheers. Have a great night, everyone. Wait a minute. Scotchman! Cheers. Cheers. We hope you enjoyed this evening's episode of Scotch Hour. If you did, please like, share, and subscribe. Also, if you have not done so already, please become a Patreon member with memberships starting as low as $1 a month. Thank you, and hopefully you have a wonderful evening.